I'm glad you've joined us today for this lesson from the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey is your tour guide through all 66 books of the Bible. He has a new lesson each weekday as he travels through the Bible in three years. Today we continue through the Gospels. Stephen has combined all four Gospels into one series to help you better understand the complete storyline of Jesus' life. Jesus performed amazing miracles, and Stephen called this lesson, Death Interrupted. I remember learning in school many years ago that the continents of our planet are actually uh, shifting ever so slightly. Uh, We used to call this, back in my early years, uh, the continental drift. Uh, But I looked it up recently, and it goes by more technical terms today. But the truth remains. In fact, the continent of Australia, for instance, drifts nearly three inches to the northeast every year. Now, Australians don't feel it. (laughs) They They don't see it. The drift is too slow to notice, but it takes place. When I read about that, uh, it struck me as just one more illustration that everything on earth changes. There are some things, however, that do not change. God doesn't change. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word, the psalmist wrote, is firmly fixed in the heavens, Psalm 119, 89. Well, Jesus has just finished his famous sermon on the mount. He's, he's delivered his word, and, and today, some 2,000 years later, let me tell you, it's still the truth. Not a thing has changed about what he said. Now, as the audience empties this hillside here where Jesus has been preaching, the Lord begins to head home to Capernaum just a few miles away, and that's according to Luke chapter 7. The Lord is interrupted by a Roman centurion. A centurion was in command of 100 soldiers. In fact, the Greek historian Polybius recorded that centurions Uh, were reliable men, highly respected military leaders. These were outstanding uh, men in the Roman Empire. Luke writes here in verse 2, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. Now, Matthew's parallel account of the same event describes the sick man as paralyzed. Dr. Luke says here that he was at the point of death. In other words, you might as well start planning the funeral program. He's going to die. Now, verse 3 tells us that when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal a servant. Now, we're following Luke's account here, but let me mention a a discrepancy with Matthew's account over in chapter 8. Luke says the centurion sent elders of the Jewish leaders Matthew says the centurion came to Jesus himself. So which one is correct? Is is the Bible, is there an error here? Well, both accounts are correct. You see, in the ancient world, you could send a messenger to act on your behalf, and it would be as if you yourself were speaking. 
And this is interesting, by the way, because Jewish elders didn't typically run errands for people, much less for a Roman centurion. But Luke gives us the inside story here, and he tells us why these elders, speaking on behalf of the centurion, as if the centurion is there speaking himself, why they showed up to begin with. Verse 4 tells us, And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Imagine that. He he built their synagogue with his own money. Well, that means he loved the Jewish people, and in fact, building the synagogue indicates he, he not only loved Israel, but he loved the God of Israel. Now, as Jesus approaches the centurion's house, he evidently agreed to go. But as he gets closer, we read here in verse 6, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. In other words, Lord, all I need is your word. You just speak. You just make the command with your word. That'll be enough. You see, as a military leader, he understands the authority of Jesus' command. Well, the Lord responds here in verse 9, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. In other words, what a unique testimony of faith. By the way, I hope that's your testimony today as well. Is his word truly enough? Well, we're told that immediately the servant was healed. Jesus spoke and it was settled. What, what he promised, he produced. Isn't this what we're depending upon this very day, beloved? Just his word? We, we can't see him. We can't hear him. We, we walk with an invisible God, but we can trust his word. Have you ever seen the book of life with your name written in it, granting you everlasting life in heaven? No, you haven't seen that book, have you? So how do you know it's really there? How do you know your name's been written in it? Well, the Bible says so. The Bible says the believers in Christ have their names written in the book of life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. We have his word, and that should be enough. Now, after this uh, miraculous healing here in Capernaum, Jesus, his disciples, and this massive crowd travel about 20 miles southwest to the town of Nain. Uh, By the way, the village of Nain exists to this day. It's a little Arab village of about 200 people not far from Nazareth. It's like one of those little towns you pass just off the highway when you're traveling. You're probably not going to pull over and stop there unless you need a break, maybe something to eat, and then you're thankful for it. Well, the Lord obviously has a purpose He's going to pull off the interstate, so to speak, the main highway there. He's going to walk over to this little village, and we find out almost immediately why. Verse 12 tells us, As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Well, beloved, this is no chance encounter. The Lord has arrived at this place at this time. Verse 13 says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. By the way, having compassion on her is the strongest expression in the Greek language 
for sympathy. You could translate this, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, or he felt deeply for her. Then we're told here in verse 14, he came up and touched the bier, that is the platform on which the body was lying, and the pallbearers stood still. Now, don't don't miss the fact that Jesus has just touched the environment of a corpse. He would have been considered immediately ceremonially unclean. But uh, not if there's no one dead under those wrappings. See, I believe as soon as Jesus reached out uh, for that beer, that body, that life then surged back into this young man's body. In fact, Jesus says immediately, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Well, that that was proving he was alive. Now, we're not told, you know, what he said. It could have been, I'm hungry, or it could have been, hi, mom. We don't know. But we are told here in verse 15 that Jesus gave him to his mother. In other words, he reunited this young man with his mother. Oh, what what a wonderful reunion. Let me tell you, this is a picture here of the coming reunion in heaven. Jesus is going to give us back to each other. You're going to see your child again and say, there you are at last. I have missed you so much. You're going to see your believing parents, grandparents. Uh, Again, they're, they're going to be much younger than you ever remembered them. But what a reunion. We can hardly imagine it. As every funeral, beloved, is put into the past and death is forever uh, interrupted, can Jesus just say the word and make someone's disease disappear? Yes. If he chooses, he can just speak the command. Can Jesus just say the word arise and cause dead bodies to come back to life? Yeah. In fact, uh, one day he's going to do that for you and for me as well. Now, I want to, before we wrap this up, emphasize three truths from, from these encounters we're given here. First, Jesus considers no one to be unimportant. You know, he does his marvelous work with, with a leading Roman centurion here and, and an unknown widow in, in a little village. No one is unimportant to Jesus. Secondly, Jesus considers no case to be impossible. I mean, here was the man paralyzed, about to die, and another man who had already died. He's he's being carried out there to the graveyard. This This is the point. Nothing will be impossible with God, Luke says in chapter 1 and verse 37. Third, Jesus considers no suffering to be insignificant. Now, the Lord doesn't always eliminate uh, the suffering. Our loved ones die. We ourselves suffer at times, paralysis, disease, and and it's according to the will of God. We, We haven't been promised the absence of suffering. Jesus promises his presence in the midst of it. He enters into it with us. And one day, oh, one day he is going to put it away. He'll put it away from us forever. Well, enough for today, beloved, until we set sail again on our wisdom journey. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called this lesson, Death Interrupted. He'll continue through the Gospels next time. This is The Wisdom Journey, featuring the Bible teaching of Stephen Davey. Stephen's vision for this series is to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. I hope you're finding that to be true. If you're new to this series, you can learn more about us at wisdomonline.org. We'd also be glad to know who you are and answer any questions you have. Call us at 866-48-BIBLE, then join us next time to continue the wisdom journey. 